Check out award-winning Johnson & Boone Solicitor's unique product, Legal Guard. Ideal for businesses and individuals, Legal Guard ensures you get the legal help you need when you need it. Packages start from just £24 a month and include free expert advice, access to a library of legal documents, as well as exclusive discounts on a range of services. For more information, visit johnsonandboone.co.uk forward slash legal guard and quote the code FITCHESH. You're listening to Johnson & Boone Solicitors Podcast exclusively on The Pod Station. Welcome everyone to episode 33 of the Johnson and Boone podcast. My name is Mark uh, and happy new year to you. This is the first recording of 2021 uh, and joining me for the inaugural uh, podcast for this year is none other than my favourite podcaster, although I say that to everyone. It's Rob Boone from Johnson and Boone fame. How are we doing, Rob? Hi, Mark. Happy new year. How are you? I'm good. Did you have a nice Christmas? Yeah, it was lovely. Thanks very much. What about yourself? Yes, we were in lockdown for for the benefit of prosperity, uh, and yes, well, I did much the same as what I've done for the last ten months, really. <laughs> as I think did most of the country. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so, uh, for the benefit of the guys who probably won't have heard a show for a couple of weeks because we took a, a short break during the festive period, um, these shows we choose a topic each week, Rob or someone from the Johnson Boom team who specialises within that area, touches on a particular point or a topic, covers it in some cursory detail to give you some help, some tips and some advice to either help you avoid a problem or help you to resolve an issue or at least to point you in the right direction of when you might want to get the help and expertise of Rob and his team. Um, You can get these episodes on every major podcast platform. Uh, So, you know, Apple, Google, Spotify. If you go to the johnsonandboom.co.uk website, you'll find a podcast tab, and you'll actually find links to all of those platforms, so you can easily go on there, subscribe, and then when the latest episode drops, it should automatically download onto your device. Uh, We're expanding in the world because YouTube, which up to this point has only really featured the promo clips, will now be featuring the full show, so if you're a YouTuber, then you can go on there and uh, check out the episodes. Uh, We haven't yet got to the extent where we're feeling confident enough to uh, do a live feed to YouTube. I think both Rob and I are very much firmly of the opinion that we have the faces for radio, not for TV. Uh, Is that true, Rob? Absolutely, you're spot on there, Mark. (laughs) Um, And you can also actually catch these shows on the Johnson & Boone mobile app. So if you go to either the Apple or the Android app stores, type in Johnson & Boone, you'll find their app, which is absolutely free to download. You'll see the podcast tab where you can listen to them on your device. And you'll also find a whole host of other huge benefits, uh, such as being able to 
book an appointment on through the app with the team you can check out all the services that the guys offer there's news articles and tips and advice and you can also access your legal guard membership if you're a legal guard member and if you don't know what we're talking about then you need to go and check out one of the previous episodes that we have done which talks about some of the enormous benefits that you get from being a member so uh rob What's the first topic they're going to be touching upon this year? Right, so this week, Mark, we're moving back onto uh, the topic of commercial leases. And specifically, we're going to talk about some of the sections of the Landlord and Tenant Act 1954 and some of the notices that arise out of that in relation to issues regarding security for tenure. So people's eyes have probably immediately glazed over because you've just mentioned the official title of some legislation. So in a nutshell, why do people need to unglaze their eyeballs for this particular episode? It's The reason why this is important for people is that anybody with a commercial lease, whether they want this to apply or don't want this to apply, it will. And it plays a role at the point that the the lease is being signed, whether certain sections of this act are going to be excluded, uh, and then what that means for them at the end of the lease and what their rights are and what the landlord's rights are. Um, so whilst, um, understandably, I'm sure everyone's eyes will glaze over at the, the full title of an act, this is something that affects everybody who does have a, a business lease. And I presume these are commonplace issues that you come across. Yeah, this is every single lease that is um, that is re- reviewed by our team. One of the discussion points with the clients will be the points that we're going to discuss today. Um, and it, it gives rise to a multitude of, of problems on both sides. And it is something that people need to, to consider carefully when they're entering into a lease. And if they are in a lease already and they don't know whether this applies, then off the back of today's um, discussion, they'll be able to go back, look at their lease. um, And if they have any questions, then they can contact us. And is this just a a commercial topic that we're touching upon? Does it affect residential people? Yeah, this is specifically for um, a commercial setting. So there is alternative legislation that will govern all residential tenancies. And I think we've touched on some of the the provisions for those in earlier podcasts. This uh, only covers uh, leases in a commercial setting. Indeed, I'm just going through my list here and the most recent one was episode 27 where I think John touched on the most recent rules affecting residential tenancies. So if that is something which might be of use or interest to you, go and check it out. Right, Let's start with the Act then, let's roll up our sleeves and get stuck in. So what's the main protections that this offers? The most significant protection which is provided to tenants under the Act is security of tenure. Um, So just to sort of pause on that, what that means is that as a result of the protections within the Act, the starting point for all business um, or commercial tenancies, whatever you want to call them, is that the tenant has a right to renew the lease at the end of the fixed term um, on on the same or substantially the same terms. And that's, that's the case automatically out of the Act. I suppose one of the main questions I'd probably have is, you know how you obviously you're paying rent for these properties. Does that mean that 
your lease will always be the same round to rent or at the end of the contract is that one of the things that goes up for negotiation it very much depends on the wording of the lease so most leases within them there will be a right for the rent to incrementally increase over a period of time and sometimes that's fixed to one of the indexes or sometimes it's just a fair market rent or other times it'll be a set percentage when the lease rolls forward the terms will be the same or substantially the same so the same would, would carry forward as well what the security of, of of tenure is intended to do is to stop a position where a tenant is just able to be easily forced out or automatically forced out at the end of the tenancy so the fixed term comes to an end so let's say it was the 31st of december what happens on the 1st of january is that business still able to be in there and and what sort of happens in terms of what rents owed and what obligations exist are they the same do they differ slightly because there's now no written contract that still exists no it's reasonably common for nothing to happen really on the ground so unless unless a fixed new agreement or a new lease is offered nothing will change the tenant will stay in all of the obligations will remain the same the rent will still be payable on exactly the same terms they'll just be in a in a new in a new period which is is periodic really in nature and it will stay like that until such time as they're given a new tenancy um or until it's challenged in another way by the landlord and so what's the main benefits why why would this be important to a business well, it's important for the tenant because if they've invested money into the property in terms of getting it the way they need it, uh, perhaps it's a shop or something and they've had all sorts installed so that their goods are able to be sold. Maybe if it, maybe it's an office space and they've had all uh, partitioning that's been put in or something like that. It might be that they've invested significant funds. And if the lease is a relatively short lease of a couple of years, it gives them the security that having invested in the property, they're going to be able to remain. It also, depending upon the nature of the business, might be really important that a business is in a specific spot because they become known for being somewhere and a lot of their customers passing trade and repeat trade. Um, and they don't, you know, they don't want the hassle of having to amend all of their marketing materials and, and having to re-advertise where they are. There's also, of course, the, the cost and disruption of having to move. So if a lease is offered without the security, it might mean that the tenant wants to consider asking for a longer term in the first in instance, or it might mean that it's the wrong property for them because they simply have to spend more than they're willing to spend um, with the possibility of having to leave at the end. Earlier you mentioned that sometimes these are ex this provision, this protection is excluded in the agreement. I suppose there's two questions. One, how does that come about? And number two, why would someone agree to that? Because those benefits you've just mentioned there are ones you'd probably kind of want to keep sacrosanct, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's important though that it's understood that it is the landlord who is offering the lease and it's what matters to the landlord really at, at the point that the lease is granted. Um, this isn't something which is unusual. This is something that we will see in the majority of leases, certainly for smaller type um, premises, almost certainly for anything which is like a shared office or anything of that nature. Um, the landlord wanted to be excluded 
because they, especially in the current economic situation, don't know what the situation is going to be in five years' time, maybe. Uh, but also, it's 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 better for them if they have a right to end tenancy um, without having to pay compensation. And that if there is security for tenure and they do want to end, um, then there are certain ways in which the um, landlord will become responsible for monetary sums. In terms of how is it excluded, it's simply done so within the lease. So um, it's called the the lease will contract out of the terms and it will specifically set out that this act is excluded. There'll usually be a notice that will will set it out. And then the tenant will have to sign um, a statutory declaration, which will be witnessed by a solicitor and sworn. Um, and that all forms part of the documentation that, that goes with the lease. And the idea of that is so is it's abundantly clear to all parties that it's been brought to the tenant's attention at the start and they've expressly agreed it. With it needing to be witnessed by your solicitors, quite often that misconception that people have got advice, that, that's not necessarily the case, is it? You can have a, a solicitor being just standing there checking that it's been signed and swearing that it's it's been done properly. Uh, without the advice going um i mean we always we always try and help people to do these things without necessarily needing legal advice but we probably sound like a broken record when we say this is another one of those where there is quite a big mouse trap to be caught in if ultimately you do this yourself and you miss things like this yeah absolutely so there's two completely separate instructions that a solicitor can receive when it comes to dealing with the lease. They, if they're acting for the tenant, that is, they can either be brought one of these statutory declarations and, and be asked simply to deal with the statutory declaration. And all that will involve is advice in relation to what the statutory declaration means. It won't include a review of the lease and it won't include a review of any of the terms of the lease because um, that's a lengthy a lengthy process in which the lease will be reviewed and a report on lease will be done. And we'd be checking all sorts of things, including the parties. And, and it, it, it's, it's a process, really, that they go through. Um, it's silly if people don't go through a proper process in relation to the lease for a number of reasons. Um, the main problem for a tenant is not understanding something because a lease says what it says. And quite often there's very little flexibility from the landlord in terms of what the terms will be that they will offer. Whether those terms are standard terms or not, that doesn't negate away from the need for the tenant to make sure they understand them. Because if they don't understand the terms, they couldn't possibly comply with the terms. And what often happens is at the end of the lease, that's when a lot of the shocks come. So exactly in this situation, it might be that they didn't appreciate that they didn't have any security for tenure. Um, it's often that they haven't appreciated a decorating provision. Um, it's commonplace that at the end of a lease, within the last few months, the tenant has to redecorate the whole property, not in a condition that they believe it should be done, but in, in the materials and, and paints, et cetera, that the landlord wants. Um, it, it's also commonplace at the end of a claim for dilapidations to be brought when the tenancy ends. So all of these things are things that at the start, when people are maybe that's a new business and they're excited just to get in and get started, 
um, it is important to take a step back and it is important to make sure that even if you're going to agree the terms, somebody has explained them to you properly and they've checked things that maybe you might not think about. Yeah, I've, I came across plenty of people in my time who had issues midway through a, a lease where there was a, a misunderstanding as to who was responsible for fixing X, Y, or Z. There was a leak in the water pipes. Who was at fault for that? Who was responsible for fixing it? I've done a load of work to this property. Why do I have to do this, this, and this as well? Um, and it all boils down to they didn't necessarily fully understand or hadn't had properly explained the lease before they entered into it and unfortunately once you've signed it you, you don't really have much scope do you no you don't and and that's always the advice you know we talk about at what stage is it too late in order to, in order for you to get advice in these instances it's never too late so once you've signed the lease you've signed the lease and you're bound by the terms but even then it's better for you to understand what that lease says than not understand what it says, even if you are bound by it, because at least then you can dance the dance you need to for the duration that you're in the property and make sure that you're not going to leave yourself with a hefty loss at the end. Going back to the exclusion um, of the uh, protective clauses, um, are there any commercial premises where it's automatically excluded? Bearing in mind you've just said that normally they have to sign a declaration that says they understand that they're waiving these rights. Yeah, there are some. So um, if it's um, if they're occupying the property by way of a license, for example, or a tenancy at will, um, then they are excluded and then are offered the same protection. And anybody who is operating on, on that basis, uh, they need to be aware of that. So if, if a lease is not excluded, is the tenant guaranteed the right to remain at the end of the tenancy then? No, unfortunately, it's not that straightforward. So even if a lease is within the Act, so it hasn't been contracted out, there are still some provisions that allow the landlord not to offer renewal at the end of the term. Uh, and within the Act, there are seven grounds which are set out for this. Um, and they're the grounds that the landlord would use in terms of opposing them. So just to sort of whistle through them quickly, um, it's things such as the tenant has obligations in relation to repair and maintenance, um, but the property is in disrepair. Um, there's been a persistent delay, maybe, in the payment of rent. Um, there's other breaches of the lease. Um, it might be that the landlord is able to offer alternative accommodation, and that's a, a reasonable reason for um, not only ending this lease, but, but giving them somewhere different. Um, it could be that um, the tenancy was created by a sublet. Um, it could also be that the landlord intends to demolish the property um, and, and, and reconstruct the property. And that is the work is impossible unless they recover the possession. Um, or it could be that the landlord intends to occupy um, either part of the property or all of the property for the purpose of their own business or their own residence. And all of those are, are factors um, and, and grounds within the Act, and, and the landlord has to rely upon one of those seven. And does that still fall within the realms of get it? Because you mentioned earlier about compensation if the, uh, the clause isn't exempt. It depends upon how it goes. So if, if, there's, if there's an order for compensation, that's normally made by the court 
if, if matters can't be resolved. So um, a landlord would notify the tenant that they intended to oppose the grant of a new lease. And that's done within a section 25 notice, um, which is served upon the tenant by the landlord. And that specifies a date for terminating the existing lease. Um, and obviously that can't be before the end of the existing term. Um, within that, it informs the tenant that the landlord opposes the grant of a new tenancy. And it identifies which of those grounds that we've just discussed um, that they're going to rely upon. They can also do the same if they are serving a counter notice um, in response to a tenant's section 26 notice. Um, and again, they'd have to set out the um, the grounds that, that they were relying upon within that. So <laughs> let me get this right. You've got the landlord who's serving a notice saying, I don't want to renew this lease that you're entitled to get renewed. And you have the tenant who's filing a notice saying, yes, but I want that lease to be renewed as is per my rights. And I presume this is where the disputes start to arise. Yeah, the two two completely separate processes. So one is the landlord's process for basically saying why they don't want a new lease to be um, to be granted. The the section twenty six notice, that is a notice that's served by the tenant on the landlord requesting a new lease when the current lease expires. Um, and that notice, it needs to set out the terms that they propose. Upon receipt, if the landlord wishes to oppose the grant of a new lease, they have to then file a counter notice within two months. So it's a good idea if you're coming towards the end of a term and you think that there might be a, a dispute or you think there might be a problem, it's a good idea for the tenant to serve the notice and then they can address it. And if there's going to be a dispute, um, then the dispute is able to, to be dealt with in plenty of time. If they don't serve the notice, then obviously the, the tenancy runs out. Um, and, and as we said before, it, as long as it's within the act, it, it rolls into the next one. If you're a tenant and you're wondering whether a landlord might serve one of these Section 25 notices, when might you normally expect it to get served? Um, the notice can't generally be served more than 12 months or less than six months from the end of the contractual term. Okay. So generally speaking, that's the window where you're going to expect to receive it. Um, what's important is, is that as soon as that is received, you don't sit on it for a long period of time and then decide you're going to do something because the end of the lease is coming up. You need to act promptly. Um, and, and in that instance where we talk about things that you can do yourself and you can't do yourself, you do need specialist assistance because there are time frames and things that um, need to be complied with in terms of responding. Um, and if you miss them, then you've, you've, you've missed your opportunity. So what's the first protocol if you do want to... Uh, get granted a new lease but your landlord's told you that they don't intend to do that and um, well if you've served your notice and the landlord has served the counter notice and you're in a dispute um, the tenant is able then to make an application to the court um, for um, the grant of a new lease now there are strict time frames in terms of that happening and that's why i say this isn't something that that people should be tussling with themselves the proceedings are fairly complex proceedings they all need to be dealt with properly and they need the case needs to be pleaded properly and ultimately a judge will then decide what is fair 
and it's at that stage that um, you can end up with orders for compensation, etc. If if that is going to be the case, or it can be that the judge decides what the terms of a new lease will be. Um, it, it it really depends upon the circumstances of the case. It depends upon which of the grounds the landlord is relying upon, um, and whether they can substantiate those grounds. So. You know, one of the grounds that we were speaking about before was the landlord um, intends to demolish or reconstruct the property, and it's not possible for the landlord to do so without recovering the possession. So the court's going to want to see evidence of that. You know, you, you can't have some sort of future whim that you might do that. It has to be that there are plans in place and you can evidence that those plans are in place. You've mentioned the complexities there, which is obviously a, a an immediate alert signal that that's probably something worthwhile. But going back to the importance of having these clauses in, when you're going through those about the the costs of the disruption of having to change your marketing materials, of of having to change all your your address, losing the the noticeable or the known location of your business to customers, I suppose that the cost impact of that um, probably far outweighs the fees that you'd be charging just to to oppose it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, in terms of, as, as we said at the start, the many, many leases now exclude the the security for tenure, and it, it really is an unusual, and depending upon the types of, of property, it, it's almost in all cases. But if you are in a situation where you do have security for tenure, and if it does matter to you to stay where you are, then if you are going to oppose it and you are going to go down this route, it's too complicated really for people to, to be doing themselves unless they have some sort of expertise in this area, unless maybe they've done it before with the assistance of, of legal help. Um, it's something that can easily go wrong and the costs, they can be fairly substantial. So you need to know that you have a good case before certainly you start engaging with the court process um, and, and legal fees are incurred. And what top tips might you give for people either to prepare for this to understand the likelihood of this sort of problem arising or even to avoid this sort of thing from occurring okay so um the first thing must always be before you enter into a lease make sure you've had advice because as we as we repeatedly say if you don't understand what the provisions are or if you think you understand but not sure that's a fairly dangerous thing um it's impossible for you to comply with something that you don't fully appreciate the obligations that are contained so the the first thing would be get advice at the start um if you know that the lease is is coming to an end and you know that you want to remain then even if you haven't previously had advice in plenty of time make sure you get advice so you can understand what your rights are and aren't and it might be that you didn't realize that your your um lease was excluded from the act um but it will be a good time to find out because a you might need to it, it might be as straightforward as approaching your landlord and seeing what their intentions are because just because they don't have to grant you a new lease doesn't mean that they won't but also you could do with an error in plenty of time if you are going to have to move and it might be as straightforward as you do have to move if it's excluded um and then I think thirdly, if you do get a notice from a landlord, um, act straight away and get advice straight away. Um, because as I say, it needs to be dealt with promptly and it's important that you don't miss certain dates for responses. 
hopefully that's been helpful guys uh, we know it's not a deep deep delve it's far too well there's far too much to get through in order to do it in a, a show that won't go on for hours and hours and obviously each person's circumstances are far too different for generic advice to be completely useful uh, so if you have heard something that you think might be causing you concern or worry or might have raised an issue that you feel needs dealing with how can they get in touch rob to get some advice yeah there's loads of ways they can get in touch with us so they can call our office um 0151 637 2034 they can drop us an email at info at johnson and um, if they go on to our website johnson and there's a message tab where they can leave us um, they can look us up on any of the major social media platforms um, or they can download our app and they can book a consultation with one of our solicitors um, all our names are on there all the subject areas that we cover and that will go straight into our diary um, and we'll give you a call or um, a virtual meeting depending on what you want at the moment and if you have listened to the show and you have found it useful um, it'd be fantastic to get some feedback so if you could give us a review on the platform that you're using that'd be amazing it helps the show be seen by some uh, additional people uh, sorry it helps expose the show to a greater audience and hopefully we can help a few more people as a result of that um, if you've got any questions or you've got any suggestions of topics if you send an email to the address that rob's just mentioned there we'll make sure we uh, include it in the schedule so that hopefully you'll get your own customized bespoke show almost um if you think you've got an expertise as well that you feel might lend itself to being a great guest, perhaps you're in a field that works very much hand-in-hand hand with the kind of stuff that Johnson & Boone do, then again, drop, drop us a, a message and we'll happily look to try and get you on the show. Uh, at the end of the day, this is all geared towards helping people, isn't it, Rob? And the more, the merrier. Yeah, absolutely. It's an advice platform just so people can dip in and out and, and hopefully along the way we, we help a few people. Fantastic. Well, that's the first podcast in the can, so to speak, for 2021. Uh, Rob, thank you very much for your time, my friend. Uh, very interesting as always. Thanks very much, Mark. It's been a pleasure. And thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time. Get social at Johnson & Boone on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.